Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Speed, everywhere you turn, TV, Internet, if it had anything to do with the scouting combine, it dealt with how fast this year's group of draft prospects ran the fourth. But how much does it really matter? Other takeaways from the just-completed combine. First, though, just how many hours did Mike Jarecki watch of the coverage over the weekend? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 541, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. All right, what was the number? How many hours of the scouting combine did you watch from Thursday to Sunday? Okay, so I watched on Thursday. I watched on Friday. And then Saturday morning, I made a trip up to Sedona attending a friend's wedding. And then I made sure that I got up early on Sunday to get back. <laughs> now, a lot of these workouts, they don't happen to the afternoon. So and, and now the NFL network will run them over and over and over. So... You know, I was looking at certain positions, uh, you know, clearly wide receiver. Um, Let me wait. Yeah. So, Saturday, the workouts that you missed, did you DVR it to go back, or are you just going to wait for the replays in the coming days? I'm just going to wait for the replays, right. yeah, yeah. So, But I was I watched certain positions, yeah. I mean, I'm always interested. You know, we're going to get into some of the, you know, what happened and what transpired. But I just, I, everything I'm hearing again, it's, it's a really deep draft at offensive tackle, edge rusher, cornerback, tight end, and it's really thin at the interior offensive line. And I don't know if we're going to have a defensive lineman at interior get drafted in the first round. Wow. Now that would go against the norm. And you know teams are looking for that interior defensive tackle, someone who can move around between center, guard, whether it's left or right guard. Well, I, I think right now there could be seven edge rushers that go in the first round, seven. And then you throw in these tackles, offensive tackles. Now I'm not saying there's not quality guards out there in center, but it's not it's not as deep as the tackles. And you know, you normally you get that, you know, Vita Vea, some guy in the middle. Um, you know, it's all it takes is one team, and if teams have multiple picks, you know, obviously they'll have more you know bites at the apple. But those two positions, are, you know, again, if if you're a team that's looking for a run stuffer, maybe you take them in the first. But I don't know how many nose tackles or defensive tackles are going to go early in the draft. And then obviously the quarterback position. We may, may not see one until number 12. Obviously I was told that I, somebody I know talked to Ron Rivera and he said, we are going we need a veteran. We we have a backup quarterback. Uh, we need a veteran quarterback. So they went after Russell Wilson. But So does Carolina take a quarterback? What happens there with Darnold? I mean, so, but I do think four quarterbacks are going to get drafted from 12 to 32. You know how this works. It's always, I don't know, there's not a top-tier quarterback. There's not a Joe Burrow. There's not a Kyler Murray. And then all of a sudden the scouting combine, oh, you know what, maybe I can see someone go in the top 10, top 15. And then as you get closer and closer and there's pro days and more and more teams, just a prediction here, Bird Gang, as we speak here on Monday, March 7th. We say right now there will not be a quarterback select in the top 10. I'm going to say there will be. 
a quarterback selected in the top ten because teams are always looking and there'll be something, and whether we hear, oh, they rose up the draft board or they fell, teams we know don't have a draft board set yet. They have a bunch of names scattered everywhere, and it's a matter, all right, how do you rank them, and then you set your draft board. But I'm going to say that as we get to that first night, Thursday at the end of April, that we will hear a quarterback's name out of the commissioner's mouth in one of those top ten picks. We'll see. I mean, uh, you know, when I, when I, the way I look at this draft and, you know, not saying there's not going to be a Hall of Famer or all pro players coming up, but it just seems to me this draft is a lot of meat and potatoes and a lot of skill position. We don't have a Nick Bosa in this draft. We, there's not a consensus number one or even number two. Maybe Aiden Hutchinson, but there's also a debate at who's the best tackle, whether it's a left tackle or a right tackle. So to your point, yeah, there is not a – there's not a unanimous opinion out there. Trust who you follow, who you read the best, and you kind of get different opinions across the board. And, and to me, this is this is really the first year in a long time, um, just based on guys coming out as juniors at the quarterback class. I mean, you know, you look at uh, Kenny Pickett, um, and then you look at um, Malik Willis. I do think they're going to be the first two quarterbacks off the board, but then you got this Desmond Ritter, who obviously you can throw the ball down the field. And then, you know, guys like Sam Howell and uh, Matt Corral, maybe maybe second-round picks. But usually we have a quarterback going first, second, or third, and that pushes some of these position players down. But now, um, again, it's there's a lot of pass rushers and a lot of good tackles in this draft. And then, you know, we'll look at the wide receivers. I mean, the, the numbers there are popping out there. And then the cornerbacks, really good size, you know, and – Obviously, some guys didn't run, some guys didn't lift, and we'll just have to wait and see how, how their numbers fluctuate to their pro day. All right, so when we're asking as far as number of hours that you spent Thursday, Friday, and we'll give you a pass for Saturday and Sunday, about how many hours? Probably f- four hours because it comes out in the evening. So four hours each day? Yeah, besides besides Saturday. So we're talking maybe 12 hours 12 total? hours, yeah. All right, that's, I've got to be honest, that's, that's under what I would have pegged you at. Well, if I didn't go to Sedona. <laughs> I just figured even if you're at the wedding, you know, maybe good no. friend or not, but, you know, the wedding's going on, you've got that, you know, the phone. You know, you're looking down at your right hand, and there it is right there, your phone, the iPad, it's whatever it is. It's no. dialed up to the NFL Network, get a quick glance, and, oh, congratulations, you clap. And you go, All right, what's the next 40 guy? I, 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 I can see that. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I did I, <laughs> I did look at some of the times, but I didn't, wasn't able to watch it. And the, the reception, um, not the reception afterwards, the no, reception when it came to the phone. Um, Glad you clarified that. Yeah, but I will say um, the couple that got married quickly here, they met each other, and they went to Sedona, and they wanted to go on a hike. And so they went through – found a place and they're like we want to get married here and it, at four years later they got married at the same spot so you parked a car and it's probably maybe a, a so you got a workout in yeah so you parked a car and then maybe you got to walk maybe over half a mile and then all of a sudden i mean they had they had music there they, they had somebody that obviously was going to marry them um but it was outdoors and then obviously we had a reception afterwards but it was just awesome like the setting like the fact that they were there four years ago and they went back there and they got married i mean it was no bells and whistles it was just outdoors everyone had a great time and so it was 
it was fun, but at, at some point my phone was I was in a bad area, so I had to wait till I went back to my hotel room, which did have Wi-Fi. That's pretty cool. I, I, I like that story. I'm glad you shared that here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You mentioned 40 times, and to me – that was the biggest takeaway. And looking at some of the numbers, and NFL Research tweeted this out late Sunday. Fastest combine since 2003, and we're talking about 40 times, saw the fastest group of running backs, wide receivers, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, and defensive backs. The average 40 time was 4.71, fastest ever. There were 31 players who ran a sub 4.4 the most ever. Now, that all sounds good. I've made it very clear here. (laughs) I don't care about your 40 time because tell me the next time, really the first time in the National Football League that a player will run straight ahead for 40 yards in shorts and a t-shirt. Never going to happen. And the only time speed really matters if something good happens, meaning you get behind the defense and you can't be caught. Or something bad happens, and someone catches you from behind, i.e. Buda Baker, D.K. Metcalf. He's fast. Great. That's one play out of 16 games, 17 games. So this fascination, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this fascination with 40 times, MJ, I just I don't get it. Yet every single year we prop up those players, regardless of position, who are really, really fast. That's great. But being fast doesn't translate to being a good football player. Well, I do think I, – I couldn't care less if, if an offensive lineman is going to run 40 yards. It's more the, the first 10 yards in the three-cone drill, meaning what's his lateral movement if he's got a pull, uh, you know, for a guy that's going to, you know, run, run a sweep to the outside. But when it comes to skill position players, running backs, um, tight ends, wide receivers, cornerbacks – you know, I want to. Know, I know because really the game comes down to speed, and you're right. You're going to put the you know the shoulder pads on. It's a little bit different, but um, the thing is, if you know the Cardinals drafted John Brown and J.J. Nelson, and they were both fast, and you know they flashed at times, but you know clearly they're they didn't have long careers. And the thing that I get at is, you look at Cooper Cup, you look at D.K. Metcalf, Dabbles, um, Dabbles, um Debo Samuel. And even Devontae Adams, they were all second-round picks, and Cooper was Cooper Cup was a third-round pick. So, you know, it's great that they show that 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 ability. But when it comes to route running, hands, physicality, contested catches, are there attributes that give them a talent uh, college wideout over the NFL? And that's why you know you had eight players who ran four-four or better, and. The thing is, I, with the gauntlet drill, I like the gauntlet drill. You got to stay on the line, and you, you got to catch the ball, and it's, it's, they're firing at you. So that it's all great. They all look good in shorts. They're fast in shorts, but it, the NFL is a different game. You're going to have somebody that's 27 years old lining up next to you, has a family, and he's going to prevent you from getting off press coverage. So you got to. It's with a grain of salt, but I, I got no issue when it comes to the skill position players in the corners and sometimes linebackers. You know, is he an inside guy or an outside guy? But for any other position, I'm more. I'm more interested in how much you can bench press with your three cone drill because I, you know, a lot of receivers and DBs they don't lift, 
And then when it gets to the lineman, you have to lift. And you get into the 30s, and all of a sudden, you're like, okay, this guy can shed a block, or this guy can split a double team. So there's certain areas to where I think it works. But for the skill position players, I want to know if you can get separation in the NFL. And just based on you running north and south, um, that doesn't impress me until you get in the game where you have to change your route based on the coverage. Really surprised how many players, draft prospects, chose not to do the bench press and focus so much on the 40 because, to your point, bench press, how strong are you? Can you shed a block? Can you move a defensive back away from you, a little shove as you're getting off the line of scrimmage? Or, on the other end, defensive back, you're going to press and not let that fast wide receiver get behind you because you're a little bit more physical. I'm more interested in bench press, the three cone. What's your lateral movement, side to side, or that quick burst, those first two, three yards on a 40-yard dash if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman? Because running straight ahead, again, doesn't mean anything to me. Now, look, you look at the wide receivers. You said eight ran a sub 4-4. One of those, Chris Olave, 4.39, six feet tall, but a buck 87. He has to get bigger to me, stronger. Now, he's one of those wide receivers that has been mocked to the Cardinals. Mel Kuyper Jr. in his latest mock draft had Olave penciled in for the Cardinals, which, great. I'd love to see him wearing a Cardinals uniform because of what he can do after he catches the ball. It's more than just speed. One, if you're a wide receiver, can you catch the ball? Because speed does you no good if you don't have the ball in your hands. Yeah. And then once you do catch it, that's where the speed comes. Or can you gain that separation? And in the National Football League, sometimes there isn't a lot of separation. So how good are you out-muscling a defensive back, fighting for that football, catching it or making sure it's not picked off? I'll give Peter King, Football Morning in America, credit because on Monday I actually found someone, MJ, that kind of shares my same opinion. He went down the list of the fastest players in combine history. All players who have run 4.26 seconds or faster. There are six players, including this year, Kalen Barnes, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech, who ran a, excuse me, out of Baylor, who ran a 4.23. So he's on this list. But there are five other players. Fastest, John Ross. Six, excuse me, five years, 62 catches in his career. He was drafted fifth overall by the Bengals. He's now a bit player with the Giants. Chris Johnson, the running back, excellent. His speed flashed, and it certainly led to six 1,000-yard seasons. All right, do you know who Rondell Menendez is? 4.24 in 1999, a seventh-round pick of the Falcons. Never played a snap in the National Football League. How about Jerome Mathis, wide receiver in 2005, ran a 4.26. Three-year career with the Texans, touched the ball 90 times. Or dry or Dre Archer, running back in 2014, 4.26. Two-year career with the Steelers. It just – tell me how you do football things, not yeah. how fast you run. Now, there are some drills that I do like, the three-cone, the gauntlet drill, sometimes a, the broad jump, and then when you're jumping straight up in the air, you're vertical. For defensive backs, I like that. We talked a lot a year ago about Marco Wilson, how he out-jumped – as far as the, the, v, the, the V-Tech, I think they call it. Yeah. That matters when you're trying to high point a ball or fight a wide receiver. Broad jump, 
I don't know, maybe they're measuring just how your lower body, how strong your lower body is. Correct. But, again, no one's doing the broad jump on Sundays. Right, but, but again, it, it, it translates to the power you – like, it, let's say a guy like J.J. Watt, the broad jump would be, okay, what's his explosion coming off the ball? So, again, there there's different um, drills for different uh, – I don't think every player should have to do the same drill. I just – I mean, there's – That's a good point manufacture or set up drills that offensive linemen do that running backs do because you're right not all of these players should have like an offensive lineman running in the 40 means absolutely nothing no exactly and to me i like the way they run the offensive line drill they'll have a guy pull but and they have now obviously everyone's in shorts and because of the agents you know they're not going to hit but they hit the bag, and you could see when guys are pulling, okay, he can get out there pretty quick for a guy that weighs 340 pounds or 320, and I like that. And then you got to get to the second layer, and there's another bag there. And so that's football. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to, blocking and tackling. So um, the gentleman from Ohio State, Chris Olave, Olave I mean, this reminds me of Don, Devontae Smith, how small he was. Now, he had a productive career, Olave. I mean, last year, played in 12 games, 65 receptions, 936 yards, averaged 14 yards a catch, 13 touchdowns. Now, throughout his career, he's has 35 touchdowns. And we know when it comes to Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, they put a lot of skill position players in there. And sometimes people are hesitant about the Alabama players because, I mean, they take a beating in practice. I mean, they – I mean – a lot of these guys, even when they go for their their, their their measurables, sometimes they haven't recovered from an injury. I mean, if you're a running back to go there, they run you in the ground. That's why it's impressive with Mark Ingram's doing. Some of these running backs that go there, you know, they, they don't last as long. But you, you're going to draft a guy that it has a pro-style practice every day, and they run a pro-style system at Alabama. So the translation, you would think it would be a lot sooner than later to where you have to learn a brand new offense, yeah. But I mean, there was a. Lot, I mean, I like the, the the different sizes of these cornerbacks, these receivers now, and in the Cardinals. I mean, we'll see what they do in free agency because we talked about it. You know, help wanted it with the number two receiver, but then you look at the history. I think you know under Kime they've drafted what nine receivers. You know, Chad Williams, and I think the only guy that really has panned out is Christian Kirk. And he was a second-round pick. Chad Williams was a third-round pick. John Brown was a third-round pick. Andy Isabella was a second-round pick. Then you throw in Akeem Butler. What was he, a five or a six? And then Keyshawn Johnson. And then J.J. Nelson. So, I mean, you got to get it right. And it's – it's and we I mean, like, is there a Jeffer, Justin Jefferson in this draft? I don't know. But we've seen rookies come in and contribute right away at that position. Now it's a matter of – can you run the ball? Can you uh, utilize play action? And could a rookie come in here and be the number two receiver, uh, sharing time with Rondell Moore? You know, that's that's the interesting thing. Again, there is a really good um, offensive guard, Kenyon Green, and you know when I say it's not deep at that position, but he he's he's a really good player from Texas A&M. I, I heard Wolf and uh, Luke talking about him. Um, six four three twenty five. So you know, do they, what do they do in free agency? Do, do they look at they need both guard upgrades, the left and right guard? Does that come from on the roster? What's with the latest on Justin Murray? Is he still going to be here, Josh Jones? So 
I want to get better in the trenches, but, you know, I'm intrigued with these corners and receivers. But, again, how do you know? And to your point, you got to get it right. And we won't know if they've gotten it right until 2023, 2024, or beyond. Because when you are sitting at number 23, I do think that opens things up for a team. When you're in the back half of the draft, one, it means your season the year prior was very, very successful. So you have a good roster. Now, how many of those players on that roster are due to become unrestricted free agents? How many are you expected to lose? That's where the Cardinals are right now with 21 unrestricted free agents. But at number 23, I think the door is open to any position. And if it's a quarterback, then we got a different story. But I think any position outside of quarterback, the Cardinals could select. Now, is it the fourth best wide receiver? Because that's a player that's highly rated or rated higher than the top interior offensive lineman or defensive lineman that we won't know unless the general manager decides to open up the door and say yeah this is kind of how we saw things shake out but this past year's wide receiver draft class was very successful those first round picks they hit first season now what do you do for me in year two and year three right And we keep hearing year in and year out based off how the college game is progressing that more and more teams, it's a focus on putting the ball in the air. You want to expand the field, air it out. So more wide receivers are up for the task. Now that also helps defensive backs as well because they're getting tested, especially in those Power 5 conferences, you're getting tested weekly against top flight wide receivers. So if it's a wide receiver, I'm fine. If a defensive back, I'm fine because those are two positions of need, but again, it comes down to does your quarterback have enough time to throw the ball to these speedy wide receivers? If you don't have enough time, then it does you no good to have speed on the outside because the quarterback is scrambling or not being able to stand in the pocket? So and then it comes back to the conversation, all right, let's upgrade the offensive line. Let's make that better because the pressure up the middle or from the outside is too great for a quarterback. So it's it's a fascinating conversation and there's no perfect formula because the teams that do well, they do have misses. And the teams, i.e., I'll throw in the Arizona Cardinals. Steve Kahn, you keep talking about it, MJ. He has not hit well on draft classes. Now, I'll reserve judgment on these last two in 2020 and 2021, but it's what happened in the years previous why the Cardinals are in the position they are in right now with the, with having to look outside to bring some veterans in to help because it was poor draft after poor draft after poor draft. Yeah, and and this is prevalent around the league. I mean, I, I want to say probably 30% of first-round picks pan out where maybe they get that uh, a second contract from their existing team. The Cardinals, they drafted Daniel Buchanan, spent five years here, did not pick up his option. Hassan Reddick, five years, did not pick up his option. and Tyron Matthew. Tyron <coughs> Matthew. He, he got an extension, though. Yes, that's he, true. He did get an extension. Patrick Peterson got an extension. Buddha got an extension. So um, I, I just want to say this, though. The the, the draft is great. you you, you got to make sure you hit on the first couple of rounds and maybe you take a flyer on someone in the late round. You just hope maybe he's on your practice squad. But that's where, that's where you know, free agency comes in, trades come in undrafted free agents so that's how I mean there's different ways to build the roster but the, the next thing on on the on tap is free agency and then the draft now 
there, there's one uh, website, waltermitchell.com, and he puts a lot of stuff out there. And he 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 did say the Cardinals met with Burks from Arkansas, the wide receiver, six three two twenty five, Traylon Burks. He also said they met with Malik Willis. Now, I'm the, telling you, man. If, <laughs> no, no, listen, no, listen. If you're allowed to interview thirty guys, yes. Why wouldn't you interview him? Because down the road, actually, I went back and it's not, it's you can have thirty visits, visits. here to the facility, okay. but in Indianapolis, 60? you can have up to forty-five okay. different prospects. Okay. Each lasting up to eighteen minutes. And yeah. If you're <laughs> if you're telling me that one of the forty-five slots was this is a quarterback. This is what I – I mean, I, again, I, Kyler Murray's a starting quarterback, but I'm just saying, why wouldn't you just – you know, the guy has a live arm. I mean, he, who knows what's going to happen in five years. I mean, I, again, I, I, 45 guys, you could bring 30 to the facility, right? Uh, yeah, Kingsbury on the Pat McAfee show, which I want to okay. touch on here momentarily because it's a fascinating conversation. See, Kingsbury in a whole new light. But Kingsbury mentioned that he called a 30 visit. Where you bring in a player up to thirty, okay, into town, go to dinner. You know, you kind of get to know the player a little bit more at the combine. It's more interview. It's more informal. You don't, you know, everything is. These prospects are you get them taught. For, you get them for fifteen minutes, and and they're taught to answer questions. But if you get them out of that element and you bring them to the facility, you spend more quality time, especially out to dinner. Maybe you get to know them a little bit better. Beneath the surface, as yeah. opposed to just well, the, you can just see their manners if you take them to dinner. You know how how are they? You know approaching how they're eating is thank you and all that. But the good news is the following day you can bring them here, and whatever position they play, you're obviously going to have a conversation with the coordinator and the position coach. And hey, let's go to the chalkboard. Let's let's go watch some film together. Tell me what you were doing here. So now you not now you try to figure out how does he process information. So you get them out of his comfort zone. You know, you take them to dinner while in town, wine and dine them. But the, the the key is to get them in the building and get them, you know, to a point where, hey, let's watch your film last year. Oh, this is a great play. What about this play? And then all of a sudden now he can the person process information. So it's a lot of it's a lot of detailed and at the end of the day they only have eight draft picks. Now they could get some of these guys as undrafted free agents, which we know Based on the history of this team, you can make the roster. Traylon Burks, 6'3", out of Arkansas, one of those players that Daniel Jeremiah, during his media availability prior to the draft combine, mentioned when asked about the Cardinals and wide receivers at pick number 23. And that's someone who's bigger, 6'3", maybe you can do something on the outside. And the other thing I, I doesn't get talked enough about, but I know – Stuff kind of leaks out after the fact, and which team met with which prospect. Again, you're doing your homework. I wouldn't try to connect no. dots. That's just me speaking here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, because you're going to hear, oh, the Cardinals met with this defensive back, this running back, or to your point, purportedly they met with Malik Willis, which – is interesting in a whole different conversation. But to try to figure out, oh, they met with that player, that must mean they have interest. Could be. Or well, they're just trying to figure out, hey, let's sit down. Now, you're not going to waste these 45 slots that you have 
in Indianapolis or the 30 that you can bring to Tempe. So you don't want to bring someone in that you have no interest in. It would seem silly. But again, you're relying on someone to getting information from an agent or a team. And we know, and it's already begun, through the draft, there's going to be a lot out there. How much of it is true? (laughs) How much of it is spin? How much is it a team or an agent wanting certain information out there to either help their own client or, in the case, if it's a team leaking something, hey, we want to try to either increase the stock of this player or maybe push them down to where we are later in the first round or maybe we can sneak them into the second round or the third round. So I'd be very, very careful what comes out, either spoken or written, when it comes to draft prospects here in 2022. Well, the, the the website they actually go back to the to the East West Ryan game, which it, I know that Drew Grigson went to the NFL PA game, and it was close proximity. He went to the East West Ryan game, and you can talk to players on the side. I mean, guys obviously start building relationships. They've been scouting these guys for three years, and then at the Senior Bowl after practice, you, anybody can t- meet with each other. So they have done they have done, and I. They only have two guys listed for the Cardinals. I went to the Falcons, and I looked at the names. They got the same two guys the Cardinals <laughs> interviewed. And then I go to the next team, the same Pittsburgh. They they looked at the receiver, and they, oh, they met with Willis too. So he, they only have two names mentioned with the Cardinals. I go to other teams, like 15 to 18, and it's the same names. And to me, that tells me that's an agent. That's an agent wanting to get their client's <laughs> name out there. Hey, look. How many teams are interested? Oh, yeah, yeah. This player out of whatever college, I don't want to throw names out there. Yeah. I think that to me is an agent pushing their yes. client or clients because if it's the same names. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah. and, and that I, you can connect the dots. Yeah. Well, and we've done it. When you get a chance to talk, to, like we did it with Bosa. Um, Hey, did you meet with the Cardinals? And usually by the, by the time we get to talk to the player, they've already had these interviews. Yes. Do you want to be the first pick in the draft? He said yes. We we talked to um, Andrew Thomas. Did you meet with the Cardinals? They really liked him. Becton, yes. The, the difference there is, and I think that became fun because you had a top five pick. In uh, that case, that's it, was, true. it was number one. And it becomes a little bit more – a little bit more fun from our perspective and fans to say, all right, well, you got a five, you got a top five pick, or in this case, number one. So you know, you're going to narrow it down to a handful of players. Well, there was a report the Cardinals met with the ASU running back, White. Oh, Rashad White. Right. And I he, also saw that they reportedly met with Chase Lucas. Yes, Chase Lucas, another the def- ASU. The defense. That, and and that's, to me, that's those great. And that exactly. And to me. You can bring those guys in as, as much as you want because they're locally. I mean, you could put Chase on it because I thought he would have a better season. Now, obviously, the cloud hanging over the program, he still has the measurables. I don't know if we're going to see a Sun Devil, maybe one of the linemen, but I think we're looking at day three guys in Chase Lucas and White. By the way, props to Arizona State. We didn't get a chance. I think we maybe hinted at it, but they had, what, eight yes. players in Indianapolis? Yep. Georgia had – what I think eight players yes. or maybe a little bit more, but the most in the Pac-12. They had his, Georgia had the most, maybe 11, but then Michigan, they were tied with Michigan and, t- and maybe even Texas, and you're going to see uh, Jimbo Fisher. You're going to see a lot of Texas A&M guys because he's one of the best recruiters in the country, and now he's getting guys in a pro play because he's playing in the SEC. The scouting combine 
provides so much information and maybe a little misinformation when you try to figure out well, you know, who's reporting who and what. Joe Banner, who he used to be the GM, he did a really nice job in Philadelphia, but he does a he does a, a I think it's thirty three or thirty three thirty third team. Thir- okay. Dot com, right? Yes. He says if anybody tells you that this your team is drafting this player, they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't even set their draft board yet. Now, scouts like to get their names out there because they want to be GMs. They want to be player personnel. I got news for you. Scouts aren't making the picks. They they write up the report. Yes, they're in the meetings, but on draft day, it's four or five guys. Even coaches are not in there. I mean, now, during picks, they'll go down there and say, Vance, what do you think? We've got three guys on the board. What do you think? But scouts aren't making the picks. And the reason why I don't really follow mock drafts they're not making the picks on on draft day. I, they do a great job. They have more research, and they they do in the you know the, the Kuipers and McShays and Jeremiah, uh, Mayock for a long. This, this is what they do for a living. So I, I trust their evaluation. But I don't. I mean, yes, they may talk to a scout. Oh, we really like this guy. Well, come draft day, <laughs> that guy could be off the board. That's why. When so you- don't now. Free agency is a little different because every GM. Is there agents are there now? The Cardinals are talking to their own free agents, and during that conversation, if you have somebody else, hey, I mean, you you really can't start negotiating until a, a certain period. But there's a lot of conversation now. Those those guys will will eventually, you know, Schefter or Rappaport or Tom Pelissero or Mike um, Garofolo, they'll start to get some wind from agents. Hey, we got three teams interested in us, but. The, there's a lot of conversation that take place at the combine in the corner. Sometimes they'll, they'll go to a, they'll run they'll run an extra room just so that nobody can see them talking. So that's where the seeds planted. So that's why when free agency starts and we get that 72 hour or 40, <laughs> bam, these these things have been discussed. Now it's a matter of pen to paper, agreeing they agree in principle until you take a physical. But I just think the combine it's. It's one besides the Super Bowl, and that's kind of gets caught, get lost in the shuffle. Pro Bowl, unless you got players there, it's not. But the NFL Combine, it's an NFL mecca. Every general manager, every head coach. I was, Mike. I saw Michael Bidwell in the building. He relies on those guys being there. Doesn't mean he couldn't go in there for a meeting. Um, you got every head, um, every position coach. You have every scout there. And then you have the national media. You have the ESPNs, the NFL networks. And it's, it's really about sharing information. You remember when you went there, and we're talking about possibly Nick Bosa or Quentin Williams, and I think it was Albert Breer, and we were interviewing him. And we he, walked into that yeah. scouting combine thinking, all right, got to go defense. You've got your quarterback in Josh Rosen. We exited Indianapolis <laughs> later in the week going, wow, there's – about a 90% chance they're taking Kyler Murray and just going to turn this thing upside down. But if we weren't so, there, yeah, I mean, eventually, because both Beer and Peter King are writing their columns now, and they do a great job. I mean, they, this is what they do for a living, just like we do. But it's 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 just gathering information. It's a, it's an information gatherer, and we got a chance to interview, like, Field Yates and, and Pete Prisco. We had Mac on there. We had Aeneas Williams. It's just it's great to be there just to be – part of it but it seems like over the last couple of years it has not been the same though 
and there is talk that potentially one more year in Indianapolis or maybe they can make long-term arrangements, you know that the teams like it in Indianapolis because it's centrally located. Everything is right there. You don't have to go outside. The facilities are top-notch, yet Dallas would love to have it. Los Angeles would love to have it, but does it make sense? You know, it's become a TV event more than anything, but with the information gathering for general managers and scouts, you know, they don't want to be in a car and having to, you know, waste 20, 25, 30 minutes to get from one place to another. In Indianapolis, everything's within, you know, a couple of minutes because you can walk from one event to the other back to your hotel room. Without even going outside. Yeah. Because usually the weather, you know, sometimes you can just get snow there. Obviously, it's it's February. Um, but the crosswalks, I mean, it's kind of like Vegas where you don't have to go out outside. You just keep walking. Now, I always thought it would stay there because of the hospital. But now they bring in the – and they always have – they bring in these semi-trucks and you can give a CAT scan, an MRI. Well, Jerry Jones is going to want this, Okay. <laughs> And he'll he'll have it at the Star or wherever. But you're right. I mean, how many hotels are around there? Um, because basically every team stays right within the facility, right by the Lucas Oil Stadium and then the convention center. So you, you literally wake up, take a shower, take the elevator down, and, and they show Belichick and everyone walking in to watch. So I think the logistics would be different. But that now that sounds like these, these semi-trucks – they travel. So Jerry can have 10 out there. It's become like for how many years was the draft in New York City? And now it's moving around. Teams bid on it. It's a thing that they can hang their hat on because it's that the draft has become so much larger than just a day, two days, three days in X city. It's become now where the entire NFL gathers and you can make it into a community event, not just for those three days, but the days leading up to the draft, bring the prospects into town, let them walk around, take part in events. And then all of a sudden those three days become five or six days. And, and that's what's going to happen in Vegas and in Indianapolis. Now they've hosted final fours they've hosted national champ i mean it's a it's a great especially for college sports um when it comes to the you know uh, march madness but it's also a generator of money for them i mean so they would hate to lose it and i'm sure you know the, the old guard they would just want to keep going back to indianapolis because it, it's, it's it's what you know it's routine now yeah exactly everyone has their days nights planned because they've been there year in and year out now i will say this though they started letting fans in, and I don't know how that's going to make the old school because they got music going on, and the fans are there, and these guys are running a 40 time, and if somebody moves or somebody takes a picture and they got a flash on it, it really screws up the guy that's in, where he's getting in his, in his, his, you know, he's getting ready to put his fingers on the ground. He's going to get in his stance, and I, I noticed the, uh, the scout for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he does it every year, and he a couple of people he wanted to remove from there. So, I, I mean, to me, it was made for TV. I know, And I want to say all these people got in for free. Okay. So I, I don't think they were charging any money. And, the, and you had, a, you had a, um, a variety of fans. Everyone you saw, different jerseys, kind of like, you know, when you go to the Pro Bowl and you see different jerseys. But uh, I don't know. I, the music, to me, was always for TV. But – the NFL wants to give you access, and it, not the whole stadium. It was maybe eight hundred people. They just come in, but I was shocked that they're playing music 
And then, obviously, you have people taking pictures, and it affects the work on it. I mean, to me, it, we talk about the biggest job interview. I don't want any distractions. And that's key right there because where do you find that balance between made-for-TV, fan-friendly, people want to watch versus it's the biggest job interview for these 300-plus draft prospects and one of the biggest events for front offices to gather information and – how are you affected now? Maybe the flip side, the argument is, well, all right, how do you deal with distractions? But it if happens you're, on game day, right? True. But if you're – now this is going to be defending these drills. <laughs> but if you're measuring certain drills, then you got to make sure that everything is equal. The atmosphere has to be sterile, so to speak, because if you're going to compare – Draft class from 2022 to 2018, 2017, all right, well, it wouldn't be equal because no fans in attendance prior to this year and no music prior to this year. So I, I don't know what the answer is because I understand it from a National Football League standpoint. You want people to tune in and watch, but they were still tuning in and watching without the music, without the bells and whistles. But, again, it goes back to being more transparent, more open, more engaging, more fan engagement. And I don't know I don't know the solution to that. Yeah, you know, when, when you go to the Pro Bowl, they, they have events for, you know, around the area. Here, they don't have any events. Like I mean, there's no events. Everything's business-like, so it's a little bit different. But – I'm sure those fans had a great time. It's just it's it's interesting that because I think I think it, when we got to Saturday and Sunday, the offense they they made a announcement. Um, at least somebody on Twitter said the entire offensive um, draftees are now all at the airport. <laughs> Get out of here! And then the defense was Saturday and Sunday, and then eventually those guys will. will, will, will take off but once the week and they get there and they get up early in the morning and then they're there going to interviews between 10 and 11 p.m and then as soon as you do your on-field workout you're gone every position group you're going to the airport and that's how it happens Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals as we talk scouting combine here on this Monday what also happens and this is kind of not new but because of who Pat McAfee has become, and he is based out of Indianapolis, we saw a ton of NFL coaches appear on the Pat McAfee show. One coach, Cliff Kingsbury. And it is amazing, MJ. You get Cliff out of his, I wouldn't say comfort zone, but you get him relaxed where he's not at a podium, not standing up, and not getting direct football questions. But when you could just have a conversation, and one, if you can get him to sit still for 10, 15 minutes, because this man is always on the go, even walking through the hallways. It's on to the next, on to the next. But if you get him in a relaxed setting, he's a fun interview. He makes jokes. He's entertaining. And we saw that for, what was it, 15, 20 minutes on the Pat McAfee show late last week, and I know a lot has been made about some of his comments, one in particular I want to get into, but there is a different Cliff Kingsbury that sometimes we see in-season versus off-season, and it depends on the setting that you see the head coach in. Yeah, and, and normally they would do the NFL Network, but I, I just think that they did the podium and then they wanted to focus on, you know, obviously getting the interview. So he's got a good relationship with Peter Schrager, and Schrager was in there with him. And 
you know, I'll say this. I was told that he was on vacation, and he looked it. He looked tan. He looked very tan. <laughs> okay, I think his watch is more than my car. <laughs> and he looked relaxed. It looked like a guy that just came off vacation who also signed a contract extension. And that was the other thing. The timing <laughs> of that interview, that sit-down, came after the day after it was announced yeah. that the head coach and general manager had received contract extensions. So, yeah, tan and then very, very happy because he had some long-term security within yes. this organization. Because, I mean, listen, I mean – what ha- whatever happened at the end of the year, I mean, uh, he's thinking, all right, you know, after the first game he thought he was getting fired when he was the head coach against Detroit. And here, you know, obviously the collapse in the second half, and nothing's guaranteed. He's going to have to win games, and they got to get better and f- learn how to finish. But, uh, I, you know, I, I made this comment last year. I thought he became more of a head coach. We saw it during the uh, offseason program and in the training camps, you know, spending time with the defense versus just being on the hip of Kyler. He lets uh, Cam Turner handle that stuff and the offensive staff. But he's grown into being a head coach. But I, I just like the fact that he was relaxed um, coming off vacation. And and now the work starts for them, you know, getting the roster ready. But, um, no, he was very entertaining. And, you know, I think it's different when you're just sitting there with McAfee because they'll stop you in mid-sentence. What you say? Like the whole Patrick Mahomes thing. Yeah, about, you know, you couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes. Like, well, I scored over 40 points, meaning it was more on the defense than it was on the offense. He said we were averaging – he goes, don't get it twisted. We were averaging 45 points a game. The other thing about McAfee is he's very direct. Yes. Meaning, here's this question. So are you going to pay Kyler Murray $100 million or what? And I think this was the best answer Kingsbury gave, at least for me, because this is something that is going to be discussed, and we're going to discuss it a lot here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, until something gets done, i.e. the contract. Asked about that and then the relationship with Kyler Murray. Here is Cliff Kingsbury on the Pat McAfee Show. Quote, the relationship is great. Steve and I literally banked our careers on him. When you take a guy number one and trade away a top ten pick the year before, that's never been done. I mean, you're all in. The business is the business, and we're just working through it right now. End quote. A couple of words here, though. Steve and I literally banked our careers on him. That's as strong a statement as we've heard from anyone since the season ended stronger even from what we heard from the general manager and head coach at the podium speaking to reporters the day before this interview on the Pat McAfee show. I believe it. I mean, A, Steve had to walk in there and say, Michael, we have Josh Rosen. We we believe this young man's coming out. And, I, I mean, that I mean, they had to write a huge check when they fired Wilkes. I mean, and then you got to hire an entire new staff. That's the business of football. It, it, it really comes down. It's a production business based on results. But I know when he started watching film, I think it was not an easy sell. But they had, they they had to make a commitment. And then obviously hiring Kingsbury and everything else. Yeah, I mean, I, I I couldn't agree more with him. I mean, I mean the fact that you drafted Josh Rosen, you hired Steve Wilkes, and in one year you just completely hit the reset button. Yeah, no, no, I I believe that. I, I think he's being honest. 24 wins in three years for Kingsbury, 22 for Kyler Murray. Remember, he missed three games earlier this year, and Colt McCoy went 2-1, and one, so not quite the record that the head coach has, but still an impressive record as far as quarterbacks because you're judged, your quarterbacks are judged by wins and losses. So, again, at some point, I firmly believe a deal will get done. It's just a matter of when. 
And until that win materializes, this is going to be a constant talking point and stuff is going to pop up. I wouldn't say daily, but it's going to pop up frequently as far as a new report or a new take, whether it's national or local, and trying to read between the lines on what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. It's basically comes back to the draft and what you forecast the team does at pick number 23. People are going to forecast what this team should or should not do when it comes to player roster decisions. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was um, um, telling when Michael Bidwell was on with um, – Bick and uh, Vinny, and he talked about, you know, normally you don't get deals done in February, okay? And he brought a couple of examples where Josh Allen, it was late July. Um, some others were in September. Some were in training camp. And just like the Cardinals have retained uh, Tyron Matthew in training camp, they uh, gave Buda Baker uh, an extension in training camp, they gave Patrick Peterson an extension in training camp. Because now the focus has to be on the free agency and the draft. They, Kyler Murray, they own his rights for the next couple of years. I'm sure they, they would all get, like to get a deal done, but not right now. I mean, they got other fish to fry right now. Other, there should be other focus. I mean, they're going to budget him. When we talk about that pie, they're going to budget him in a certain number, okay? so And I'm sure he wants to get paid, and he probably doesn't like the fact that he's going to make $5.5 million as a base salary, but he's already got $36 million guaranteed. Josh Allen had his deal done in August, Patrick Mahomes, July, Deshaun Watson, September, Jared Goff, September, Carson Wentz, June, Ryan Tannehill, May. That's the earliest over the past decade a first-round draft pick has signed a long-term contract in quarterbacks before their fourth season began, which is where Kyler Murray is right now here in 2022. Before we uh, put a bow on this show mj how about we put a bow on the scouting combine anything other other takeaways which from what you watched from the 12 hours again i thought that was going to be a number that was going to be a lot higher but 12 hours well, of coverage I mean, that you watched but, over three but days. the workouts are only four four hours that's yeah, no, i just figured you'd go back i don't no, know i mean i i <laughs> i enjoy all the interviews I, I, and then, then, then the, 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 the the post coverage and then the analysis on what was yeah you could tell those guys were ready yeah. to tap out <laughs> Rich, uh, Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah did a phenomenal job they from do, what I've watched. They do, and even Charles Davis is there, and they got so many good reporters, you know, on the on the sidelines. Stacy Dales has done a really nice job. I don't want to exclude anybody, but I'm talking about this the on-field workout. The on-field workouts aren't for 12 hours every day. It's four hours, four hours, four hours. So, and I'll go back and watch. But like I said, I, I was watching certain positions because. You know, we don't know what the Cardinals are going to do in free agency, and you know, but I, but I think, and listen, when it comes to real quick, I think when it comes to um, offensive line, wide receiver, tight end, edge rusher, corner, I think they they will definitely address those positions in the draft, let alone what they do in free agency. Okay, something to keep an eye on. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.